we give place to the moving of the Spirit of God as well. You know, the Bible says the Word and the Spirit agree. Our spiritual father, Brother Kenneth E. Hagin, he used to make this statement, if you have all Word, you dry up. If you have all Spirit, you blow up. So, hey, we got to have both. Amen? The Word and the Spirit. So tonight I'm going to teach you from the Word of God, and I believe that the Spirit of God is going to demonstrate Himself at the close of this service. I have something in my heart tonight to talk just for a little bit on the anointing. Now I gave those guys scriptures up there, so please try to to follow me up there in the translations, but it's probably not going to be exactly um, like I wrote it down for you. But tonight we want to talk about the anointing. It is the anointing that makes a difference. Some people say, well, what is the anointing? And I can't improve on this quote from uh, an older gentleman years ago. He was asked to describe the anointing. He wasn't an educated man. He didn't have great vocabulary, but this is what he said. Well, I don't rightly know what it is, but I sure know when it ain't. (laughs) and let the people say amen I mean sometimes it's hard to put describe the anointing in our vocabulary but we all know what it is like to have the presence the anointing of God come upon our lives the anointing really is a divine enabler it's God's ability coming on our ability to get the job done. It's Him coming upon us to do for us something that we couldn't do for ourselves. Not in our own ability. Not in our own power. Not in our own strength. The anointing comes on us for various reasons. The anointing comes on for healing. We can't heal ourselves. But He is the healer. The anointing comes upon to set the captives free. Many different things that the anointing does. And we're going to build a foundation tonight on the anointing. Famous passage in Isaiah chapter 10 verse 27 regarding the anointing. And I want to look at tonight in the King James Version because I like how it says here at the end of this. And in that, and it shall come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder and his yoke from off thy neck and the yoke shall be destroyed because of what? Because of what? The anointing will destroy the yoke. Now, where do burdens, bondages, oppression, where do these things come from? Certainly not from God. Many times we read this passage of Scripture without getting the surrounding uh, message that was there. So just yesterday I thought, you know, I'm going to read up a little bit in this passage, in this verse, and find out what was going on when the prophet Isaiah wrote this verse. So I want to look at verse 24 of Isaiah chapter 10. And these I want to look into Amplified. We'll start at verse 24. Therefore, says the Lord, the Lord of hosts, O my people who dwell in Zion, do not be afraid of the Assyrian who smites you with a rod and lifts up his staff against you as the king of Egypt did. 
for yet a little while, and my indignation against you shall be accomplished. My anger shall be directed to the destruction of the Assyrian, and the Lord of hosts shall stir up and banish a scourge against them, as when he smote Midian at the rock of Oreb, and as, and as his rod was over the Red Sea, so shall he lift it up as he did in the flight from Egypt. So as I was studying this out, there, this, Israel was in a time where they were under the oppression of Assyria, which is modern day Syria. And in, during this pas- writing of this passage, they had invaded Israel. They were under their thumb. They were under their control. And of course, this is never God's plan or God's best. He didn't want his people to be under the rule and under the dominion of anyone else. But what had happened, as so often did in the case of the children of Israel, they had rebelled, they had forgotten God, they began to worship other idols, and it caused the defense that was around them to come down. You know, you can't forget God. You can't quit living according to His ways and His commandments and think you're going to be blessed. That's what happened to them. They'd forgotten God. And so because of that, the, the Assyrians had come in and they were dominating them. They were ruling over them. But there was a time and when this happened, almost every time when it would happen, all of a sudden, duh, the lights would come on and they would begin to say, I think we need to repent. I think we ought to call on God. That's a good idea, you know. If you're under the thumb and the control of the enemy and you know that there's been some open doors there and you know that you're not putting God first, hello, repent, turn around. That's what repent means, turn around, turn back to God. So that's what they did. And because they had done this, then the prophet came And he told them, okay, stop fearing the Assyrians. God's going to take care of them. Then he reminds them of past victories. He goes back to how God brought them out of Egypt. How God delivered them. How he parted the Red Sea. And how water came out of the rock. He's reminding them, you serve God. You look to him. And guess what's going to happen? Glory to God, the anointing. The anointing. Now let's look at verse 27 in the Amplified. So that's the background of the writing of this wonderful passage. And it shall be in that day that the burden of the Assyrian shall depart from your shoulders and his yoke from your neck. The yoke shall be destroyed. Now I love this. Because of the fatness which prevents it from going around your neck. Now, that's pretty interesting to me. We may not think that a fat neck is a good idea. But, you know, it's not all that bad. In the natural, it's not great to have a big, fat, huge neck. I know growing up, my, my dad, the Edwards, that's my maiden name, and one of the characteristics of the Edwards family, my dad, his brothers, they have these huge necks. I have a nephew, my oldest sister's son. He can't even find a shirt that he can button. I mean, his neck is like this. So in the natural, you know, it it might not be that great to have a big, fat neck. Now, I didn't say a big, thick head. I said a neck. Either one's not good. But fat, spiritually, 
in the Bible is an indication of blessing. Pastor talked about it just a while ago. It's good to have fat bones. A good report makes the bones fat. Actually, he quoted in, in Proverbs 15:30, the light of the eyes rejoices the heart, and a good report makes the bones fat. Good to have fat bones. And look at this one in Isaiah 58:11, and the Lord shall guide thee continually and satisfy thy soul in drought and make fat thy bones. Thou shalt be like a water garden with a, and like a spring of water whose waters fail not. So fat bones, fat neck means there's no lack. There's no bondage. There's blessing here. In the natural, how do we get fat? Well, that's not probably a politically correct term. How do we get supersized in the natural <laughs> By eating. Now, don't, don't get mad. I'm not pointing any fingers. By, it's certainly by not eating. It's by eating. So how do you think that we get fat spiritually? How do you think that these people got fat necks so that the bondage of the enemy couldn't come around their neck? By eating the Word of God. The Word of God is nourishment. The Bible says in Proverbs 4, I'm going to give you a lot of scriptures tonight. Proverbs 4, 20, verse 20 through 22. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them and they are hell. To all their flesh. The word of God. It's life. It's health. It's nourishment. The word causes us to get spiritually fat and flourishing. Which is a good thing. That verse we just read there in Isaiah 10, 26, 7. As I was looking at that, I don't know. I don't believe I'm bending the scriptures or, or taking this out of context. I just think that that's awesome that it says his yoke not going to be over, able to go around your neck in the Amplified because your neck is too fat. So when we stay fat in the Word of God by meditating on verses and scriptures regarding our freedom, guess what happens? When the lies of the enemy come, have any lies ever tried to come to you? When the lies of the enemy come and he tries to get us entangled again with the yoke of bondage. You know, the Bible says in Galatians chapter 5, 1, that we have to stand fast in the liberty to which we are called. So when these lies come and try to put bondage, get you back into slavery and put this yoke around your neck. When this lie comes and says, well, you know, you need to be afraid. You can stand up and say, no, my neck is so fat from meditating on I will not fear that that bondage of fear not going to fit. It's not going to fit around me. When that yoke 
of lack comes and he tries to get that tied around you. He says, oh, you're poor. Everybody in your family was poor. You're always going to be poor. You're broke. But if you meditate and you've been saying that scriptures in your heart, now my God meets all of my needs according to his riches in glory. I'm blessed. He's redeemed me from the curse. You cannot curse whom God hath blessed. I'm prosperous. Guess what? That yoke of lack can't fit because you're just too fat. Too fat on the Word of God. And the devil's trying to tie it on there and he's like, ah. No, it won't fit because I'm too full of the Word. And when you're that full, nothing else can get in. I don't know if that's blessing anybody else, but it sure blessed me yesterday as I was seeing that. I don't know. It works for me. Can anybody just rejoice with me because I'm happy about it? When that yoke of sickness and disease tries to come, and it is a yoke. It's a burden. It's a yoke. To be bowed down under sickness and disease. And when it tries to get you all wrapped up and all choked up. Guess what? If you've been meditating on, no, no, no. Jesus is my healer. With his stripes, I am healed. It's not going to fit. He can't make it stick. Hallelujah. Because you're too fat on the promises of God. We can get so built up and so buff in the spirit that these things of the enemy, were, they're just too weak. They're too weak. And we're strong. Hallelujah. Even when you don't feel strong, what does the Bible say? Let the weak say, I am strong. Those areas that seem to be like a weakness and they seem to be like a, a, a hole or something or a gap in your life. You know, the Apostle Paul, he said, therefore I glory in my infirmities that the power of God may be manifest. So when those weaknesses and those things come and you say, oh, that, that, I'm not strong in that area. Be like the Apostle Paul. He didn't glory in his infirmities and glory in his weaknesses and say, oh, I'm so glad I'm weak here. I'm so glad I have a deficit here. No, he gloried in them because he knew it was an opportunity. It was an opportunity for God's glory to be in manifestation. Hallelujah. You know, if you've got a, a, a road out here and it starts pouring down rain, the rain's not going to stay where there's a bump or a level surface by, surface by and large. Where does it go? It congregates where there's a hole, where there's a gap. And that's what the Apostle Paul was telling us. If you've got some areas that are weak, don't be concerned about it. Just keep rejoicing in the Lord. Just keep meditating on the Word of God. Glory in Him. He'll make that weak place filled with His goodness. Filled with His glory. Let the weak say, I am strong. Let's just say it right now. I am strong. Say this. I glory in the Lord. In any area where I'm tempted to be weak, 
His glory shows up and makes it a strength. Hallelujah. That's why he said glory, glory in him. Hallelujah. Thank God for the anointing. Thank God for his presence. Thank God for his grace. His grace, it is sufficient. His glory will carry us through. The joy of the Lord is our strength. The anointing of the Lord. Now that passage back to Isaiah chapter 10. Again in the New King James. It says a little bit different. It shall come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder his yoke from your neck, and the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. Now the prophet Isaiah that wrote this passage, the children of Israel that he was speaking to were very familiar with oil, different kinds of oil. First of all, olive oil was part of their life. It sustained them. It was used for cooking, purification, beautification of soft skin, medicinal purposes, and let all the Greeks say, Amen. <laughs> Brother George, one time we were over there at their restaurant, and he, we said, oh, that is such good olive oil. He brought out this thing about like this. You want some olive oil? They use it for everything. But that's what the, the Greeks, the Jewish people, they know. That the olive oil, it's rich. It's great. Use it for different purposes. They use a different kind of an oil that they use for healing. They would rub it on the sheep that had wounds. And it would bring health and, and healing to areas that had been hurt and wounded. But when the prophet Isaiah wrote this scripture, he was talking about the anointing oil. The anointing oil had a function and has a function, was used to separate, to set apart people and things for a specific purpose or use. When the children of Israel were building the tabernacle in the um, wilderness, they were given instructions to anoint the priest and all of the items that would be used in worship. We won't take time to, to read all of it, but it's over in in. Exodus chapter 40. It's pretty awesome. We'll look at verse 9. And you shall take the anointing oil, anoint the tabernacle, and all that is in it. You shall hallow it and all its utensils, and it shall be holy. So they had to anoint everything in that tabernacle that was going to be used unto worship unto God. And then in verse 12 it says, You shall bring Aaron and his sons to the door of the tabernacle, wash them with water. You shall put the holy garments on Aaron and anoint him and consecrate him that he may minister to me as a priest. So they had to use this anointing oil to set aside instruments and utensils that would be used in worship unto him. 
You know, uh, Pastor Tom, when he comes here to worship and lead worship, he doesn't take out a bottle of oil and pour it over all of the instruments. But I can tell you right now, these instruments have been prayed over. They've been lifted up to God. They're dedicated. They're set apart as instruments of worship unto Him. And not just things, but people. People are anointed and called and appointed to help lead us in worship. And people are called and anointed and appointed to stand in various offices. Another account, and there's many of them in the Bible, but another account where the anointing oil was used was to anoint Men to stand in the office of king. Y'all have heard of King David, one of the most famous kings. Well, let's look at what happened here in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 12 and 13. Now he sent and brought him in. This is when uh, Samuel had gone down to the house of Jesse. All of David's brothers had been marched before him. They looked kingly. They looked like they ought to be the one. And every time a new one would come, the prophet would say, Surely this is the Lord's what? Anointed is before me. But the Lord would say, No, it's not. And then that famous passage where he said, Man looks on the outward. I look on the heart. So finally... They're waiting. David was out in the field doing what he was anointed to do, taking care of the sheep. He was in his place. He was in his position. But they said, go get him. So here, let's look again at verse 12. So he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy with bright eyes and good looking. And the Lord said, arise, do what? Anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. Woo! David was already, he already knew his God. He had killed a lion. He had killed a bear. He knew God. He knew how to tap in to the anointing upon his life. But after this day, it said the Spirit of the Lord came upon David. There was a new and a fresh anointing that came upon him to stand in the office of king. How many of you like fresh anointings? Glory to God. The thing about David though, it says the anointing came upon David from that day forward. On that very day, God saw him as the king. Amen. But he didn't step into that place in the natural for quite some time. He had some obstacles to overcome, namely King Saul. He had some threats against his life. He had to run. I mean, he didn't have, it wasn't all rosy just because he had a new anointing upon him. But the good news is this. When the anointing comes upon you for a plan and for a purpose, if you'll keep pressing in and you'll keep saying, this is not by might, it's not by power, it's by his spirit, the spirit of the Lord came upon David, literally turned him from a shepherd to a king. Hallelujah. But he had to walk out the process. He had to hold fast to that. And guess what? It came to pass. Woo! Hallelujah! 
it all came to pass. God saw him as a king that day. And in a process of time, he was the king living in the palace. Oh, matadre sombrebet olombrebet sombretaha. Oh, I hear the Spirit of God say, don't let the process of time steal your dream, steal your vision, or or think that that anointing is not there. I have called you, I have anointed you, and it shall all come to pass. Glory be to God. Now, not very many in here are called to stand in the five-fold ministry up behind the pulpit. But every single believer is called. We are called. In 1 Peter chapter 2, it says we're a royal priesthood. We are called to bring him glory to bring him honor. Hallelujah. In Revelation chapter 5. Oh, I love this. Verse 9. And they sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain and you have redeemed us to glory by your blood. Out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. This is what I want you to see. Verse 10. And you have made us kings and priests to our God. And what are we going to do? Where do we reign? Where, you know, a king has a kingdom. A king reigns and rules over something. Where are we supposed to be ruling and reigning? Here on this earth. It's going to be wonderful when we get to heaven. But guess what? We need to rule and reign right here, right now. Put on that garment, uh, that kingly robe. Step into that office that we've been called in. We talked about David. We talked about Aaron. Aaron was a priest. David was a king. Guess what? We're both kings and priests. Has he made us? Kings are created to rule. Priests are made to worship. Hallelujah. Oh, let's just do that right now. We worship you. All glory, all honor belongs unto you. Worthy, worthy, worthy is the Lamb. Worthy, worthy, worthy. Holy, holy, holy is the Lamb. All that is within us, Lord. We worship you. We bless you. And we trust you. And we believe you. We believe what the Word of God says. He says we've been made a royal priesthood. He said we are created kings to rule on this earth. Not to be trampled down. Not to be defeated. Not to have yokes around our neck. But to have our necks so fat that the yokes of the devil won't 
stick to us. We're rolling. We're reigning. We're in this life. On this earth. Hallelujah. <clears throat> the devil is not our Lord. The devil is not the boss of us. We are in charge. We control the destiny of our life when we put it in His hands and we trust Him. How many in here did not trust the Lord? How many of you are going to take up that priestly garment? Going to put on that royal robe of righteousness? Walk in what He has provided. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. You know, I love the psalmist David. I love King David, his life. Of course, he made mistakes, but what a heart. Bible says that he was a man after his own heart, after God's heart. He knew a lot about the anointing. He wrote many passages about the anointing. A famous passage over in Psalms 23, verse 5, he said that. He said, you anoint my head with oil. He knew about the anointing. He said, you prepare a table before me in the very presence of mine and enemies. That to me sounds like we're ruling and we're reigning. Our enemies are not there at the table. Right in their face. God's prepared a table for us. And then he says, you're going to anoint my head with oil. My cup runneth, runneth over. My cup is full. My cup is so fat and flourishing and running over with goodness, with mercy. Hallelujah. Don't you love it? Then he coined another wonderful passage in Psalms. Psalms 92.10 But my horn you have exalted like a wild ox. I have been anointed with what? With what? Fresh oil. The anointing oil of God is fresh. It's not stale anointing. It's not something that was good way back when. No, every day. Fresh anointing is available. It's made of the purest ingredients, the freshest ingredients. It's the power of God. It's the presence of God. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. Glory to God. Fresh oil. The anointing, what is it? Burden removing, yoke destroying power of God. The anointing destroys the stronghold of sickness, oppression, depression. What did Jesus say about the anointing over in Luke chapter 4? He said the anointing was on him for a purpose, for a reason. Luke 4, 18. 
The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has what? He's anointed me. I'm declaring that right now. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach the gospel. You are anointed to preach the gospel. We are God's ambassadors. We are ministers of reconciliation. We're anointed to preach the gospel. What's the gospel? Good news. Do you know anybody that needs some good news? There's so much bad news out there. Be anointed. Be who you are. Be a king. Be a priest. Be a carrier of the goodness. He has sent me to do what? Heal the brokenhearted. Never has there been a time in history where so many lives are broken. Broken by disease, broken by divorce, broken by disappointment, broken by loss of employment, broken, broken, broken people. But what did he say? We have been sent to heal the brokenhearted. That anointing oil that they used, that the good shepherd used, he'd rub it on those sheep if they had a broken limb or they had a wound. You and I in the spirit, we are carriers of that healing anointing, healing the brokenhearted to preach deliverance. To the captives, the recovery of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty them that are bruised. That's who he was. That's who we are. We're his ambassadors. That same anointing that was upon Jesus is upon us. We don't have time tonight, but maybe a later time we'll get into the anointing within and the anointing upon. We are authorized dealers of the anointing of God, of the power of God. We can do this in His name. There's a wonderful passage in James chapter 5 that talks about what we, this is we. Look at yourself and say, this is me. This is talking about me. This is what I can do in him. James 5, 14. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him. Doing what? Anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. It's not in our name. It's not in our own ability. But we can do this in the name of the Lord. And then watch the promise. And the prayer of faith. Not the prayer of faith from the pastor. This is from believers. The prayer of faith will save the sick. And the Lord will raise him up. Glory to God opportunities to be carriers of the anointing. The anointing also, it brings reviving. It brings refreshing. It brings joy. Isaiah 61, 3, and we're just about done here. To console those who mourn in Zion, 
to give them beauty for ashes. That sounds like broken people, doesn't it? Console those that mourn. Those whose lives are full of brokenness and sorrow. Those whose lives are in ruins, a heap of ashes. But what are we anointed and appointed to do? To give them beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise instead of a spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. Folks, we've got, we have got what the world needs. And that, I'm not boasting in me, I'm not boasting in you. It's not about us. It's about him. It's doing this in the name of the Lord. You need to see ourselves as authorized dealers of the anointing of God, the yoke-destroying, burden-removing power of God. He's just waiting. He's waiting for us to be activated. He's waiting for us to just, wherever we're at, whoever we come in contact with, let them sense the anointing of God. You don't have to get up and preach a big sermon. Just be a carrier. Just be an ambassador of light. An ambassador of hope. Ambassador of good news. You know, in this day and hour, if you just walk around smiling, people almost, it's like they think you're on something just because you're happy. Yeah, I am. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. Just be happy. This said that he wants to give us the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. People are heavy and weighty with the cares of this world. It's like they have on a huge, heavy coat that they can't even hardly walk under. God wants to give people, maybe someone in here tonight, a wardrobe change. Take off that old heavy garment. Put on the robe of righteousness. Put on the garment of praise. It's light. It's easy. His yoke isn't heavy. That old yoke that the devil wants to put on people, that yoke around the neck of God's people, that's heavy. That's weighty. But Jesus said, my yoke is easy. Hallelujah. Light and easy. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Now let's just stand. We thank you, Lord, for the word. We thank you, Lord, for the anointing.